Welcome to the 222 Paranormal Podcast. I'm your host, Joe, my brother. Hello. And me, Jen. Hi, everybody. What is going on? Well, you know, just a beautiful weekend. I hope everybody's enjoying this nice weather. Speaking of weather, Joe and I have a little story for you guys. So we had a little road trip. What's it? Oh, I was going to say, what's it got through the weather? But I guess we <laughs> did have some weather, didn't we? So, you know, there's been some severe storms going on in the United States here. And um, Joe and I kind of drove into the eye of the storm, so to speak. We were down in Tennessee and the um, storms were going all around us. It was really, really scary. Very spooky. Joe heard some thunder. I heard some gunshots. And yeah, gunshots um, in the morning. That was the strangest thing. <laughs> it was so odd. And uh, we heard, well, I got woke up at 3.18 in the morning by the sound of, of like a freight train exploding is the only thing that I can describe it as. I don't know what it was because when we looked outside the hotel, there was nothing going on. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even raining. I, there was some lightning, but that's about it. Yeah, it was really, really odd. So I can't explain that. Like, was it in my dream? But I, it, I mean, it woke me up. So. I don't think so because I was woken up also. In my yeah. Room. And <laughs> we didn't hear any sirens afterwards. So... Mm-hmm. You know, it was just interesting uh, that we, here we are, we're traveling. It's our first time, I think, traveling this year, isn't it? Yeah. Somewhere. And um, all the storms were just going, it's terrible. And I'm sure you guys seen the news. But the reason that we were down in Tennessee is Joe and I, thank you, Joe, for driving, because <laughs> I was having a major panic attack, was to visit and ghost hunt in the historic Scott County Jail which is in Huntsville, Tennessee. And it was amazing, you guys. It was really cool. It was one of Great the location. neatest places that we've ever been. Clean. I wasn't concerned about him, you know, coming out with a nose full of dust when we got out of there, um, which was very nice. It's one of the only locations we've ever ghost on that was clean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fresh paint, everything. Yeah. They really fixed it up nice. Yeah, it was, it was really just a really interesting... Um, the history of this historic jail. So basically, it is a jail that was built in like the early 1900s, I would say. I believe so, yeah. 1901, maybe. And it's a it's a stone castle, basically. Yeah. They carve the stone from behind where the jail sits right now. And these blocks are massive. They're like, what, six foot by four foot by five foot. Yeah, they're (laughs) they're really thick. Super thick. And, um, you know, the walls are super dense. And what would you say? There's like maybe 18 cells in there? Yeah, it used to be two stories. And then there was a fire. And instead of tearing it down or whatever, they just Mm. added another floor. Mm. And so the main floor is the receiving, the drunk tank, stuff like that. And then the second floor... They turned, see, the first floor used to be the family quarters, and oh, then they would have okay. a jail upstairs. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. So when they added the third floor, they made it basically a whole jail. Mm. And the first floor is the drunk tank and stuff like that. The second floor mm-hmm. was where the kitchen was, and then some cells. Mm-hmm. And the third floor was cells. Yeah. So really, I mean, there's so much history to this particular 
jail, which I'm sure there is a lot of all these like smaller southern jails, mm-hmm. but not many of them are around anymore. Yeah. And so um, it's such a unique place because there's so much history that they know of, mm-hmm. you know, and they've done a wonderful, Chris and Miranda have done a wonderful job of being able to document that with like the displays that they have, mm-hmm. the memorabilia that they have, the um, pictures and the stories and everything is right there. And it's, it's, uh, there's some famous people um, who have been yeah. <laughs> housed there, some for one night, some for longer, but you know, we, we had the whole entire place to ourselves. Yeah, that was cool. It was, I was, I was scared. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, the second floor, I just, I didn't feel comfortable. Very creepy, yeah. Very creepy on the second floor. I didn't want to even, um, like, I know at one point Joe had been upstairs on the third floor investigating by himself and I was downstairs having a snack because <laughs> uh, I just needed a break and I was scared to even walk up those stairs by myself and you know it's like I've been doing this a long time yeah. but there's just some places where it just is very it was the stormy weather and you know the the spookiness of the jail and and just the the history of you know how much people have been through there you know like mm-hmm. was it Jesse was it Excuse me, Jesse James? No, he was just in the area. In the area. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I remember. And I believe he did stop in there, but he was, wasn't housed there or nothing mm-hmm. like that. But yeah. it's because, you know, those older jails, it was almost like a community center type deal thing because mm-hmm. inmates would be in there and the families would come and stuff like that. You yeah. know, there was visiting areas and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it's just a very different history than you yeah. normally see in a jail or a prison. Yeah, and they Chris and Miranda said that the night before they had a, a team in there and they had all kinds of activity. Mm-hmm. And Joe and I had some we had a few some, things happen. Few things happen. Not yeah. as much because for one we couldn't record anything because I forgot all the SD cards. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but it was cool we to just investigate yeah, on our feelings. Yeah, for our own experience. I, you know, we had our cell phones, but there was a couple of times Joe and I were like sitting there and we heard footsteps and we're looking at each other like, you could hear you footsteps hear so that? clear. Yeah, because the steps are metal. Mm-hmm. So if you're going from the first floor to the third floor, they're metal steps. And that's a very distinctive sound when mm-hmm. you're walking up those and for us to be the only other person in the jail at the time was Miranda, but she had been in the office or her, you know, area the whole time. She never came out. So we knew that she wasn't moving around the jail at all. I don't know, just the creepy, creepy feelings, mm-hmm. you know. And I noticed when we were sitting in the cells across from the area where the young men who were um, ripped out, lynched out of lynched, the, yeah. yeah, that that was a really kind of creepy feeling i kind of felt like we were being watched that was the only spot i really got evidence Mm -hmm. i saw a light go past the doorway yeah and this is the third floor Mm -hmm. it's not like a car light would do that there was no cars around i mean this this is a small rural real rural i can never say that word area so there wasn't a lot of traffic at all Mm -hmm. and um joe and i were there until probably what 2 30 in the morning morning, three in the morning and uh Ooh, we were tired by the end. <laughs> but it was it was a really cool place. So if you guys really, you know, looking for a great place to investigate, um, check out the Scott County Jail. Yeah, the historic Scott County Jail yep. in Huntsville, Tennessee. Highly recommend it. Yes. And if you're afraid of um, hills and mountains, don't drive. And we, <laughs> we did 
on Saturday we ran up to Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. Mm, yes. And walked through. We we didn't do any ghost hunting because there was so many people there. Yeah. And they discourage that during the day. Yeah, because of all the people and right. all that. Plus, yeah. you know, they're charging for that, and that's mm-hmm. how they keep it open, you know. But if you're not familiar with Brushy Mountain, so this jail, it's an old, it looks like a castle, too. Yeah. I mean, literally looks like a castle. It is in the foothills of the mountains. So there's mountains, three, like, three sides of the, the prison there's mountains all mm-hmm. around it. So, like, if you were trying to escape and trying to run these mountains, there's no way. They yeah. just they would just get you. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a big courtyard in the back, guards, towers. There's the main building and a couple outbuildings. There was, like, what, a gymnasium. A gymnasium. There was the washroom. Mm-hmm. Solitary confinement was in that particular building, which was kind of creepy feeling down there, too. But this place was just... Oh, wow. It was known as the end of the line because yeah. they didn't have the death penalty there, but they you knew that if you went there, you were never coming out. Yeah. And there's a huge cemetery on grounds. Um, I didn't know where it was at at first, but I mm-hmm. did find out afterwards. And yeah. we drove past it, but uh, it's up in the hill. Oh, okay. I was wondering because I was like, there's got to be a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, a cemetery around here. But it's interesting because the conditions were so bad in this prison that they would work their prisoners basically you know, to the nub mm-hmm. and um, make them work in the mines around there. Well, the whole jail was built to supply people for the mines. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of um, very, very hardened criminals that went there. So there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of uh, mistreatment of the prisoners. They. <laughs> it was funny because when we pulled up, I wasn't expecting a whole lot of people there because yeah. like it was like Sunday and it was the first or time Saturday. or Saturday. Yeah. It was the first time that they had opened all season, right? Mm-hmm. The first it day. Was the first day they opened for and the season. And we didn't know that. And we got there and there was like thousands of people there because they had some kind of like, what would you call like that? a four-wheeler jamboree going on. Yeah. So the people were like camping out on the grounds and, and four-wheeling and um, they had a distillery. They make their own hooch there moonshine and you could taste test the moonshine five for five dollars but i didn't want to taste test it because i didn't want to be drunk walking yeah. around i'm like five shots no thanks <laughs> <laughs> but um but isn't it strange though that they would put they used to put people in that jail for moonshining yeah and now it's a moonshine distillery right yeah it kind of comes full circle yeah you know um but you know it's interesting you know when you travel and you're able to go to two haunted prisons mm-hmm. in one weekend. It was just like, it was cool. I mean, we didn't go sun at the one, but just the, the history of, you know, these places. They're yeah. just massive. It was really cool. So you guys got to check it out. And one thing, too, that about like Scott County Jail is it was the same thing as we've seen in other jails where there were no windows. The, the cells were open to the elements. Now, yeah. there were windows downstairs where the family lived. But upstairs, there are no windows. They just have bars. And I always think about that is the weather. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that was storming when we were down there. And I was thinking, you know, no windows. And the jail cells are right against the outside wall with the beds right there. Yeah. And I could imagine they would get rained on and everything. Rained on, snowed on, yeah. hot, bugs. I mean... You know, they don't make it like a camp, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not like a hostel. (laughs) It's a prison or a jail. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, But nowadays they do have windows. Um, They got a grant and they fix the place up. Yeah. 
it's if you're looking for a place to go son i recommend it what was cool too is right behind it was this beautiful waterfall and it was it was pretty big you had to walk down these like really steep steps to get down there but that was really interesting so you got the elements of water running behind a giant stone prison that they made out of the land that was right behind yeah, the, it. I don't know if it's limestone or sandstone, but it's... The, I think she said it was sandstone. Okay, it's the stones right from yeah. the area. Yeah, so that was that was cool. I think it adds to the um, mystique and mm-hmm. the, the spookiness of the place. But, I mean, with the types of prisoners that were in there and the activity that did happen around that, you know, there was... Um, deaths of sheriffs Mm -hmm. and guards and prisoners and local folks so yeah if you you know like i say if you want a place to investigate or even just go for the day tour they put on day tours there that are very interesting and they tell you a lot about the local history and everything and it's worth going it's it's worth the drive for sure unless you're scared like me to drive It's a whole nother story. But so anyways, anywho, as you know, today, see. as this show comes out, it is Easter, and uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about Easter, some facts about Easter that you may not know, and then I have a story that kind of correlates. Kind of correlates, yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought this was interesting, some fun facts about Easter, because, you know, we're all celebrating and, and indulging way too much on candy (laughs) but it said the easter bunny legend began in germany um the story of rabbits uh bringing eggs doesn't make a lot logical sense but it dates back to hundreds of years in the beginning of pre-christian germany here the hare or rabbit was said to be the symbol of the pagan goddess of spring and fertility. Nowadays, we just have chocolate Easter bunny and someone bite their ears off. <laughs> More than 1.5 million Cadbury cream eggs are produced every day. I have never ate one of those. No, have you ever I had? Them they're nasty. <laughs> they have cookies and cream ones this year. I'm like, nope, still not going to try it. The act of painting eggs originates from the Ukraine tradition. It's a traditional act called Pinsanka, something like that, um, which is made by using wax and dyes. But this colorful custom didn't really take off until the Ukrainian immigrants came to the United States. Uh, The world's largest Easter egg. Guess how much it weighs? 3,625 pounds. 5,000 pounds, uh, standing three feet tall and 18 foot wide. The world's largest Easter egg is found in Alberta, Canada. It weighs a hefty 5,000 pounds and it took 12,000 hours to complete. Now, you always associate chocolate with Easter, right? But did you know that pretzels used to be associated with Easter? Yep. Pretzels were associated with Easter because the twist resembles the arms crossing in prayer. From the 1950s, it was a tradition for Germans to eat a pretzel and a hard-boiled egg for dinner on Good Friday. Did you know that in Germany, it's illegal to dance on Good Friday? Really? Yeah. It says that music is allowed to be played, but it is a ban on dancing saying it's out of respect for Christians who mourn the death of Jesus on Good Friday and Easter Sunday in Germany. These three days are considered to be days of silence. And then it says Easter this year is going to be celebrated on the full moon, which I think we have a full moon this year. We do right now. Yep. And guess how much the most expensive Easter egg ever sold for? $3,675. 
9 million pounds. <laughs> so it was sold at Christie's of London for 9 million pounds. It was uh, broke the record for Fabergé eggs. The enameled egg contained multicolored uh, cockerel, which every hour would open up and pop out an egg. It would flap its wings before nodding its head three times. The egg was made by Carl Fabergé in Peter's, St. Petersburg in 1902. And it's the second largest ever egg ever made by Fabergé. <laughs> so that, I just thought that was interesting mm -hmm. um, since we're doing a show about Easter. But this this um, story that uh, Joe and I want to bring you is a little bit different. It kind of has like a time-traveling twist it to it. And the connection we'll talk about here in a second. But yeah, because I saw this on another podcast and it really intrigued me. So I looked it up. And there's a lot of stories that go along with this. So basically in so basically in 1745, England was going through a war and the country was in a mess. A man was arrested as being a spy, but it turned out to be someone different and amazing. He was arrested in a coffee shop when he arrived at the castle they took him to. He said or they said that he was fluent in every European language and knew many things of history, but he would not tell them his name or where he is from. The Austin Powers, man, yeah. international man of mystery. <laughs> the prime minister, San Horace Walpole, said that he could sing and play every instrument. He could play anything from the piano to the violin as if he was a famous musician. Although no one has ever seen him before, he was known to know everything about their city and their castle. He looked to be about 44 years old. Following custody, he gave eyewitness accounts of historic events as if he was there. His jailers were so taken back by his knowledge, it's said that they were mesmerized by his storytelling. And although never telling his name or where he, or his age or where he's from, they let him go. The Prince of Wales was so taken back by him, he summoned him to the castle. But the strange man seemed to have disappeared just before they let him, or just after they let him go. Oh. When soldiers returned from the crusade, they brought with them stories from the Middle East. One of these stories is that they brought back was a man called Cartophilus. He is known as the Wandering Jew. As Jesus carried his cross on his way to Calvary, he stumbled and dropped the cross. It's said that Cartophilus leaned down and told Jesus not to be so lazy, get up, and move along. It's said that Jesus looked at him and said, Go, and I will rest, but you will not rest until I return. Cartopolis did not understand what he meant by this, but as time went on, he found that all his friends were growing old and dying. He did not grow old and remained young as watching all his friends pass on. He is destined to walk the earth immortal until Jesus returns. This was thought to be a legend until 1228 when an Armenian bishop had dinner with a stranger who spoke of historic events as if he was there. The man called himself Cartophilus. For many years after this, Cartophilus was seen in the Middle East and Europe. Then a strange man appeared in Paris dressed modestly in all black, covered in precious jewels from head to toe, including diamonds and rubies, with rings on every finger and diamonds on his toes. On his <laughs> diamonds on his shoes he appeared to be 45 years old and called himself the count of saint germain right away he fell into the upper class and was seen at many parties although no one knew where he came from or where he got his money every upper classman wanted him at his party because 
he could play the piano and sing and dance. It is said that he played the violin so good it brought all the guests to tears. His stories were legendary. He was fluent in every language and said that he had no accent. He could speak with any aristocrat and hold their attention. He had knowledge of art, science, philosophy, chemistry, and first-person accounts of history. He would give his accounts of famous people such as Henry VIII, Cleopatra, Neo, and several others. When people asked him, how do you know so much of them, he smiled and said, because he was there. He also claimed to know Jesus Christ personally. Many people doubted him and tested him, but every time they did, he would come up with the right answers. He was also a renowned alchemist and said that he knew the secrets of the Philosopher's Stone and that he could turn lead into gold. Okay, so what is the Philosopher's Stone? I know you looked this up. Yeah, so basically it's a central symbol of the mystical terminology of alchemy. Uh, It symbolizes perfection at its finest, enlightenment, heavenly bliss. So basically it's... It's not really a stone. It's more like a, they call it might have been a powder. Okay. So it could have been, you know, maybe some kind of substance like a hallucinogenic that people would trip on and, okay. and you know, maybe come some, closer, have like an a, a out-of-body experience or a religious experience or, you know, some kind of woo-woo. <laughs> so it was something to do with alchemy then. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. One night he was at dinner in Paris. With the Countess Von Jerry, Von Jerry, I can't say her name. Bon, bon Jovi. Von jo- yeah. bon Jovi didn't say John Jovi. <laughs> she recognized him from when she was in Venice in 1710, which would have been 50 years earlier. She asked him if he had any had a father or a grandfather that was in Venice at the time. He looked up and smiled at her and said, no, madam, I was who had the honor of paying your court. The Countess was in disbelief. She stared at the man that she seemed nearly 50 years ago. He still seemed like he looked only 45 years old. She stated that he looked the same or even younger. He said to the madam, I'm very old, and gave her a detailed description of their meeting. She was stunned and said, sir, you must be over 100 years old. He just looked back at her, smiled, and walked away. Soon after this, King Louis XV sent for him because he heard that he could turn lead into gold and fix flaws in diamonds. St. Germain was on his way to the Palace of Versailles. Upon arrival, he was an instant sensation. Casanova noted that he never ate anything. He would drink mineral water and sip some tea, but never ate any food. Oh my gosh. The king produced several diamonds for him to improve their quality. St. Germain said, Your Highness, I have seen Jesus turn water into wine. Diamonds are a mere trifle. The count took them and returned on a later date with perfect unflawed diamonds. The count took up residence in the palace for several years until one day he vanished. Throughout the 18th century, the Count St. Germain would show up in several locations, including visiting Sir Robert Clyle in India. He was at the Hog trying to barter peace between the Persians and the Australians, or Austria, and visited Francis Anton Mercer when he was a young physicist in Germany. And it's said that he taught him the art of hypnosis. He showed up in Russia and was known to bring Catherine the Great to the throne. He was in Holland trying to stop the Seven-Year War. He then visited Casanova again. In Casanova's memoirs, he stated that he turned a coin into gold. After Louis XV died, he showed back up at the Palace of Versailles 
warning of an upcoming revolution. Marie Antoinette wrote in her memoirs that she wished that she would have taken his words more seriously. In the summer of 1776, the Constitution of the United States was being put together. The people gathered in the room could not agree until a strange man stood up wearing all black and gave a speech about courage and integrity that settled the arguments. When the people gathered in the room turned to thank the man, he vanished, although the room was locked and guarded. In 1779, he spent several years with Prince Charles Hess in his castle in Germany. On February 27, 1784, St. Germain passed away. His funeral was attended by many of the people that spent time with him throughout his life. It's said that he looked like he was the age of 45. Oh, so was he a time traveler? In 1775, a year later. Wait, oh. Story's not over. Yes. In 1775, a year later after his death, he was seen with Anton Messer in Germany and became a representative for the French Freemasons. He was seen at the taking of the Bastille in 1789 and at the execution of Marianne Antoinette. Forty years later, he was seen with Madame Dizelle Adamar in Paris, where she wrote in her diary that he she was amazed every time he she saw him that he still looked 45 years old in 17 or excuse me in 1877 he was spotted in a freemason lodge in venice in 1896 amy bissett and madame bivosky said that the count was in contact with them and said that he was from an immortal race that lived in the himalayas in 1914 the count was captured by some barbarian soldiers they said that he spoke many languages and would not tell them where he was from he told them that the war would end in 1918 and that a a tyrant from the lower classes would wear an ancient symbol and lead germany into another world war in 1939 which he would not win you know that he would Mm -hmm. lose in 1930 guy ballard met him on mount shasta and said that St. Germain was one of the ascended masters sent by Jesus Christ. Ballard created a religion called I Am Activity based on St. Germain's teachings, which is still around to this day. There are several more sightings of him throughout the years and throughout history, but these are the most documented. It is proven that he's a real person, but is he immortal? I don't know. It's it's interesting because, you know, he... uh... I mean, could it be could be a legend. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be somebody who um, time traveled. It could be just an ongoing. You know, one of those legends that always something gets added to mm-hmm. it, and something gets added to it, and over the years it turns into this big thing. I uh, had some kind of various information about him. Now he was said to be able to speak Spanish, Portuguese, French, Italian, a little bit of English, but they assumed he was from Spain or Portugal originally. Um, It said that King Louis did meet him and was impressed by him, but apparently the King Louis was very impressed by everybody and that the King's advisor said that uh, St. Germain was a con man. And, you know, he didn't, leave france because of um, a spiritual mission he was actually because there was a warrant out for his arrest and when saint germain changed casanova's coin into gold it wasn't alchemy but it was sleight of hand so um casanova was very upset 
And he said he did meet with him several times, and then he announced him as being a con man. Okay. When St. Germain had fixed the king's diamond, and he came back with a larger one with a different cut, he explained that that was part of the fixing process. So it, it was actually bigger. Yeah, and a different cut. Madame Pompadour, the king's mistress, was very familiar with the jewelry, with jewelry and gems and said that um, St. Germain had many fake jewels on him. Oh, So, who knows? Now, the countess who recognized him from 50 years ago was known to be senile and have Alzheimer's. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, it's it's just funny because there's always two sides of the coin, so to speak, right? The gold coin that he turned into, yeah, from lead. Um, Now, the stories of him meeting Jesus were actually started by a comedian called Miller Gower who impersonated St. Germain as part of his act. And Prince Edward said that when St. Germain visited him in his palace, he was actually a feeble old man in his 90s. Now, if you look up the history of St. Germain, his accounts come f- accounts come from um, being everywhere from Atlantis. He was a prophet in the Middle East. He was also said to be Merlin the Wizard. He was also reported to be Plato and Christopher Columbus. And um, then he was also was claimed to be... Um, Roger Bacon and Francis Bacon, who were famous explorers. And then he said that on his deathbed confession, being the son of Francis Rotsky, uh, the second, he was a prince of Transylvania and he was 88 years old. And he was sent to Italy to live with the Medici family. Okay. And if that was true, he would have been about 75 or 70 ish years old, not, not 45 years old. But you know, some people look young for their age. Yeah. Now, P.T. Barnum came up with the story that he was the son of an Italian princess who had an illicit affair with a tax collector to hide his identity. Born in 1690 in a region of Italy called San Andermanio or something, um, which is translated in English to Saint Germain. Okay. So San Andriamo. San Andrimano. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but Italian food sounds good right now. Um, Some say that he traveled from palace to palace, not stealing, but conning to live rent-free and mingling in high society. Many people believe that he is immortal and roams the earth to this day. So I'm wondering if there's any modern sightings of uh, the mysterious man in black knowing all of the history. So basically he was just a guy that went from palace to palace telling stories and the legend grew from there yeah which is cool in its own right you know mm -hmm. like to be able to be that um whimsical but you know with the piano playing and the violin he obviously was very intelligent Mm -hmm. you know you just don't pick up those things unless you're prince who played 27 (laughs) maybe he was prince (gasps) maybe he was Maybe he is immortal. Yes. Um, but, you know, I just I thought it was a really interesting little legend tale. It has the connection to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that they say that that was a act put on by a comedian that just put it into his act as, yeah. you know, sensationalism. Mm-hmm. Do you um, remember that one year you had that Easter Bunny costume and we dressed up as Easter Bunny on Easter and we walked up and down the street? (laughs) When I was doing bunny photos. Oh my gosh. That was so funny. That thing was so hot and sweaty, but I didn't care. I was walking. I was like the world's (laughs) shortest Easter Bunny. (laughs) But what do you think of immortality? Do you believe that there are stories of people that, because 
you look at so many no. like celebrities mm-hmm. um they're, they're so, cloned so many people that look exactly alike yeah i don't think so i i don't know i think we just you know we're born and we live our life and and um i don't think we live for thousands of years now i mean there's reports of people living into over the hundreds 120 i think world's oldest person may have been like 126 or 130 you know back in the day back in my day um they said moses was very old yeah they said that the back then the lifespans were thousand years or so yeah there was somebody in the bible that had a, a child at 90 years old um, it was said that God promised Abraham that she would be the mother of nations and that she would conceive and bear a son. But Sarah did not believe. So Isaac was born to Sarah and Abraham in their old age. But I wonder if they maybe they calculated years differently. Well, that's the thing, too, because, you know, we talk about how Moses lived for like a thousand years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you heard about the the lineage of kings from the Middle East mm-hmm. and even the lineage of kings from like uh, Samaria and stuff like that, where it's reported that they would live for thousands of years. You want to hear something really, really cool? Because I know a lot of our listeners have tattoos, and this is just so cool. My nephew, Luke, so he went to um, Jerusalem, the Holy Land, and he got a tattoo by a young man who was the 38th generation tattoo artist. This place has been open for 38 generations and he took 25 people there 21 of the 25 people got a tattoo from this oh really this guy who is the 38th generation tattoo artist isn't that crazy to think like going back 38 Mm -hmm. generations yeah people don't think that tattoos aren't that old but they're finding tattoos on mummies and yeah stuff like that and yeah there's even i do know of a mummy but it wasn't an egyptian mummy it was a natural mummy Mm -hmm. someone that passed away and their body was mummified by nature Mm -hmm. and he actually had a tattoo of a horse and a spear on his arm i wonder how that ever came about how did it come about that people tattooed themselves back ten thousand years ago or whatever it was think about you know there had been somebody going well maybe they were drawing on cave walls or something and they said they drew one on themselves or something and they said well we can make that permanent by taking a needle and jabbing in your arm you know i don't know yeah but like what what would you put in there right like what were the pigments and stuff was it octopus ink or something i don't know i'm just putting it out there and it lasted so long that when they found the mummified body it was still visible yeah there was a siberian princess or something they found frozen in the permafrost and she had tattoos Mm -hmm. and she was like thousands of years old it's incredible. Maybe we'll have to do a little bit of research on that and we'll yeah. do a show. Yeah. And maybe have Dana, who owns Perfect. four tattoo shops four, now. Four now. Um, have her on. We'll talk about ancient tattoos. That'd yeah. be kind of interesting. It's yeah. not paranormal, but it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool, though. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us and listening to our stories this week. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the story of St. Germain. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. Because it's one of those legends that, is it true? Yeah. Is he still wandering? Is he Prince? Or was he Prince? <laughs> and who is he now? Right? He could be walking amongst all you guys. You never know. He could be the man in black. John Cash. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> it could be Tom Cruise. <laughs> Little Tom Cruise. Short Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Oh, my gosh. I didn't when, get to watch that movie. 
but I didn't get to watch the end because I, I went to bed uh-huh. with about half hour left and I turned back on Amazon and it's not there now. Oh, you have to come but on and watch it. I can imagine how it ended. Uh, yeah. Know. So anyways, <laughs> I was telling Joe, I watched Top Gun 2 the other day and it was so good, but it gave me anxiety because, you know, they're filming themselves flying in these yeah, they, jets. It's they really real f- did it. There was no CGI. Scared. The, I was like, I can't even watch. I had my eyes closed in some of those scenes because I just, I, it was so high and I was like, oh, they're going so fast. And If you get a chance. Tom Cruise looked good. Tom Cruise, you look good if you're listening <laughs> to our podcast. <laughs> One time, Tom Cruise was in Toledo. He was in the Starbucks. Yeah, because he was married to, to Katie the, Holmes, who's who lives from, right down the road here, about yeah, three miles yeah, away. Yeah, her parents live not too far away. And and my friend Anne, and you have to know Anne. She's just a character. And she was stalking Tom Cruise. She was like <laughs> driving like a mad woman trying to get over to Starbucks <laughs> to see Tom Cruise. Well, anyways. But was, it chance, was a good movie, though. I really, yeah, watch really, the really movie, liked but it. Also, look up the making of it. It is so interesting that they had to build new camera systems, mm-hmm. and the actual actors when they're in the the jets had to do the they had to work the cameras, they mm-hmm. had to work the lighting, all that stuff, and fly a certain way so that the light came in the window a certain way. And you could, it's just so interesting. You could not pay me enough to be an actor and get in a fighter I jet. Think you would. No. Yeah. I can't even go over a small bridge in Dayton. <laughs> it wasn't even a bridge. It was just the expressway, but that's a whole nother yeah. uh, therapy session. We'll have to do some other time. But anyways, thanks for listening this week. I yes. hope you have a great Easter. Yeah. And uh, hope you spend some time with your family and enjoy the day listening to our podcast over and over and over. Yes. Um, get up on our website. We're going to have links to our new merchandise on there i have not done it yet but hopefully i'll get it done this week yes you guys um, we have some i had cool merch. some issues of how to change it over from one to another and all that so you know the technical the stuff that i life. can't do <laughs> yeah so anyways thank you for listening if you enjoy the show please tell all your friends about it and uh we'll talk to you next week yeah have a great week everybody take care goodbye Stone Cold Killer, are you surprised? This is not-